Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this show is presented by Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is fusing fashion and function for runners of all abilities, and it just takes three easy steps. If you heard this show, you know the deal. Just go to mercurymile.com. Create your profile, enter your sizes and your preferences, and you'll get a curated box of running goodies sent to you. You'll keep what you love, send back what you don't. The prices are fantastic, especially if you get onto their newsletter. They just had their semi-annual sale, which is always like 40 to 60% off. Already pretty low prices. Uh, It's definitely worth it. That's for sure. Go to mercurymile.com and use Rambling Runner 10 to save $10 at checkout. So today's episode is with Amy Natalini. Amy had an unbelievable 2018. So I was so excited to talk to her about it. We spoke just after the new year, um, and it was just one of those people who I had been following for a while, and I couldn't wait to talk to her just about the entire year that she had, because like everybody else at that time of year, because I think we recorded this on January 3rd, so your, your New Year's resolutions are fresh, you have you know, the whole year planned out what you want to accomplish, the goals you want to, to get to, and I couldn't wait to talk to her, because shoot, she had just done it, she had just had an amazing year and I knew that she'd be such an interesting person to talk to just to to dive into exactly how she did it and what she has going on next for the future. Here is my episode that I know you'll like with Amy Natalini. Hello Amy and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hi Matt, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure Amy. We're in 2019 right now but it was so much fun watching you crush goals and so many marathons in 2018. So first of all, congratulations. What an amazing year you had from a running perspective. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was an awesome year and I'm just glad we all made it through together. <laughs> I I loved reading your um, kind of like eight day recap of your marathon experience um, over the past two weeks or so, it was, it was really, it seemed like a roller coaster in so many ways. And I was kind of following you along, following along during the course of the year as well, but it was nice to see it all condensed. What was it like putting that together and just kind of like having it all right there in front of you? Well, I kind of came up with the idea to kind of go over the last uh, eight big races that I really had And just wanted to kind of put down my thoughts. I'd never really done anything like that before. I wanted to remember some of the big highlights for those eight marathons. I mean, there were some other smaller races that uh, my husband and I had done throughout the year. But those were the big big ones that we went to and came away thinking, wow, you know, 2018 was actually a really great year. And hopefully 2019 will be just as good, if not better. So eight marathons is a lot. In one year, it's a lot for a lifetime. But this, you are no, you know, you're no novice when it comes to marathons. Even coming into this year, you had run 33 of them, which yes. is which is just remarkable. You've also run so 41 marathon marathons in total, uh, 40 half marathons. So before we get into the wild and crazy 2018, just what what is your running backstory? We, how did you get involved in running, and where did it start? Uh, well, so let's go way, way back. 
all the way to elementary school. And it's a long time ago for me because I'm 36. So we're just talking about, um, I was in fifth grade and my fifth grade teacher at Lakewood elementary school is give a shout out to Roy Brown. Um, he had all of his bids from all of his races kind of lining the walls in our fifth grade classroom. And he used to make us go out and do these relay races on recess. And then we'd go out occasionally, uh, you know, in between classes and, and just run races against our other classmates. And that's when I really started getting into running. I've never been a competitive runner. I didn't run in high school much. I was more into music and I never really ran in college other than just for fun. Um, and then I did my first half marathon when I was in college. And I think from there I was, I was pretty hooked. It was a disaster of a race (laughs) that first half marathon (laughs) because I hadn't trained. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and then after that I was like, okay, a marathon, I could do a marathon. So why did you sign up for that half? Uh, so my aunt convinced me to do it. Um, a friend of hers had a son, um, who was going to do a relay with his dad and his dad, I think got injured something. It was a long time ago. It was almost 20 years ago. Um, and so they needed a second runner on this relay team to complete the full marathon. And I, I was kind of like, okay, 13 miles. I don't think I've ever run 13 miles in my life. I think up to that point, I'd probably run maybe five And it was like in two weeks. I was like, okay, um, well, we could try it. And I remember crossing the finish line in just under two hours. And I don't think I could walk for about two weeks after that. Uh, Like I said, I wasn't very, I wasn't very athletic in college. Um, I was the tutor for the student athletes, not the athlete themselves. And uh, I think that really kicked my butt and got me into gear thinking, okay, if I can't even get through a half marathon, then, then maybe we have some thinking to do about what our athletic abilities are. So where did you go to college? I went to Michigan State. Okay. All right. So what, so you were a tutor for the athletes in that, in that department. Did you have any, any athletic background? It makes it, you make it sound like you didn't do any sports at all growing up. Um, so my dad's been coaching, um, for forever and he was a big tennis player he used to run when we were younger um but I didn't play any sports in college I dabbled in track um but being from Michigan I was a skier so I did that in the winters um but no soccer no long distance running just it just wasn't my thing um but yeah College kind of changed me around. I I got into um, the ROTC program for the Air Force there, and you know it's a it's a job requirement now to to run and take my PT test once a year, so I have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So what? So my brother did ROTC for a couple of years, and it was one of those things where it kind of came out of nowhere. We were all surprised. And then, you know, he had a really good experience. So for you, did, did ROTC have um, just an external attraction to you? Or what was the initial impetus to, to start going in, down that path? I knew I wanted to serve in some way. And whether that was going to be going into the public sector, maybe becoming a teacher, or some, you know, going into law and becoming a politician. 
um, even back when I was, you know, a freshman in college thinking, okay, I want to, I want to change the world. I didn't know how I was going to do that. I don't think any 18 year old really knows exactly how they're going to do that. But if you want to contribute, obviously, uh, going into ROTC or, um, teaching or going to med school, those are all really noble callings. And I think I found mine and I didn't actually commission through ROTC. I actually went, ended up going through officer training school, uh, a couple years after college, but, um, yeah, now I've been in the air force for 12 years. So 12 PT tests later. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. And I'll tell you that that PT test must be nothing compared to what you're doing, uh, on your own, considering you now have a PR in the half of 124 and a PR in the full marathon of 255, which is just smoking fast. And you've mentioned a couple times that you weren't very competitive. And that's not a competitive person. Um, did that start to turn around after you started getting involved with ROTC and then later the Air Force? Uh, there's enough competition in the Air Force as it is. Um, so for me... Running is a way to inspire my airmen. Um, I remember going to this kind of formal dinner once, and we had a guest speaker. And um, something he said that has stuck with me for the last 10 years was, don't ever do anything to impress anyone. Uh, go out and do it to inspire them. And, and that has been my mantra with running for uh, since, since the inception I really don't want people to think that what I'm doing is something that's great or out of the ordinary, but I do want them to feel like it's something that they could do. And I want to get them out there on the track, on the road, whatever it may be. And, and hopefully they feel like they can be a better person because of it. Now, did somebody inspire you to become a runner? Uh, well, besides Mr. Brown, um, you know, there's people that come and go in our lives, especially in the Air Force, because we move a lot. So... Um, I tried, uh, when we were stationed in Germany to get really involved in the running community there. And, um, there were a couple individuals, but, um, I really wasn't pushed to inspire like I did until I moved to Illinois. And I was really involved with this group of runners called the road warriors. And, uh, they have just been an amazing group of people. They're all stationed at Scott Air Force Base, but now they have kind of these smaller groups around the country. Um, and shout out to Brian. He's the Papa Road Warrior. He's amazing. Um, but that's his goal is to just inspire people through fitness to, to become better people and kind of just carry that with you. So you have obviously, as we just mentioned, you've run 81 half and full marathons combined you had that kind of ignominious start a little bit in college with the half marathon. <laughs> yeah. um, so after that, what was the path for you in terms of not just you know running to be fit or running just because it was something to enjoyable, something enjoyable to do to move your body? When did you start training to become a better, faster, and more competitive runner? Uh, well, I remember when we were um... – running the Paris marathon, I think it was 2013. And I think I ran something like a 316. And at that time it had been about maybe a six minute PR. 
and a friend of mine texted me and she's like, if you keep this up, you're going to be able to qualify for the Olympics in like the next 10 years. And I kind of just laughed it off. I was like, are you kidding me? The Olympics, you're, you're insane. Um, <laughs> I'm never going to get faster than a 316 or 312 or whatever it was. And I, I kind of just blew her off. And um, I had signed up for another race. And it was just this really small German race in a really small town. Um, for those uh, people listening that have never done a European race, they're completely different than any marathon in the United States. They're just, they're smaller. Um, they're still really competitive. Um, but the people that they attract, I mean, you, you just, you know, just fall over um, thinking, what, what kind of race is this with like 30 people finishing the full race? And I, I, I went out and I ran a 308 Whoa. and I just, I just fell out of my chair. I couldn't believe it. My husband um, saw me at the halfway point and he, he yelled at me, even though I had my music on. He's like, what are you doing? Cause I think it had started out a little bit too fast. And he, he's like, you know, I just kind of shrugged at him and then walked away. It was just um, this moment of, of realizing, okay, if I can do this, maybe my next goal should be a little bit more ambitious than what I had originally planned for. Now, going into that race, did you think that you were capable of running that three-way? Because you just mentioned that at the Paris Marathon, you ran 316 and that you thought you were pretty close to your kind of your potential, right? You'd almost kind of reached your, your running potential, your limit at that point. So going into that race, that 308 with – I'm assuming you must have been running alone most of the time if there weren't that many people running the race. Like, what was it like to then all of a sudden be running so much faster than your previous fastest uh, time? I had no idea what I was doing. Honestly, had no idea. It's kind of like um, in New York this year, I had um, emailed the person that is in charge of the sub elite program. And I had just barely squeaked into their limit for the sub elite. And I, I emailed the person and they're like, yep, you got it. You're in. And I kind of, I, I was just flabbergasted. I was like, what are you talking about? I just, you know, it was a, it was totally on a whim. I had no concept of what I was doing at the time. And when I ran that 308, it was the same thing. Um, it was the first time I had ever really had a chance to podium. I think I came in third at that race. And um, I mean, 37 women finished that marathon in Germany, the full marathon. And so third of 37, I mean, top 10% or whatever. It's just, it's just kind of funny thinking about it that way. But then you look at some of the bigger races I've done and finishing 58th in New York for the women this year, I'm just I feel like I've come a long way, but in terms of training, um, you know, this, this summer, if people have been following along on Instagram is when I finally hired a, a running specific coach and finally felt like I was moving in the right direction of other than just going with trial and error and trying to figure things out on my own. So running 308 without a coach, I mean, running 308 period, even with the best coach in the world, is a remarkable feat. So obviously you were doing something right back then. So what, what did your training look like when you were just trying to figure it out on your own? I think I was running about 30 to 35 miles a week. Uh, I just moved into a new job for the Air Force, and um, I was able to run in the mornings, of course, you know, 
430 is early for anybody, but getting up and getting out the door. Um, but started to pile on a few more miles and I, it was just that, you know, intrinsic motivation that, okay, you ran a 316. You don't know how much faster you can really go, but let's see what we can do. And, you know, just kind of went down that path of, all right, we don't really know what the future holds with the Air Force because anytime you are in the military, nothing's certain until you're on an airplane going places. Um, things can change midstream and running, I guess, kind of just became that constant, that thing that was always there. Right. So what made you want to hire a coach this year? Uh- <laughs> Well, funnily enough, I have I have a nine year old, and um, so last year at the beginning of the year, I ran let's see Louisiana, um, Cowtown Marathon, and Little Rock. I love that you've run so many that you have to like rack your brain to think of all the marathons you ran in two thousand eighteen. And once you've run them multiple times, they kind of start running together, unfortunately. Um, but I had gotten second place in all those races and I was sitting down to dinner one night and my daughter just kind of looks at me and she goes, mom, aren't you always sick and tired of getting second place? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Now keeping in mind, she was eight years old. She didn't really, I mean, she didn't understand what she was saying. She, I was, um, she thinks that I'm a pretty competitive person and, I just kind of looked at her and I was like, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm only really competing against myself. So second place to me is not really losing. It's, it's uh, great if I can accomplish the goals that I set out, you know? Um, and I had run some pretty great races all in the 302, 303 range. And I had put a sign above my desk that said break three and had been hanging there for a while. And it's just, it was just getting frustrating to see that sign practically every day. And then (laughs) my daughter piles on with the second place comment and, you know, I don't want to discourage her, but, uh, so just trying to focus on, on, you know, competing against yourself. Sometimes that's good enough. So, but yes, my inner, my inner frustrations were, were starting to get to me. And I, I've known Sarah for a while. Uh, Sarah Bishop uh, is my coach and I've known Brian for even longer because we went to Michigan state together. Um, and she had been chatting with me about kind of hiring her on to get me over that three hour hump. And I said, okay, well, again, with the air force, let's, let's wait and see what the summer holds. And, you know, I was planning on moving last summer and then that didn't happen. So I said, okay, you know what, we're just going to go for it. Um, so let's get on board with this whole McCurdy trained thing and, and see where it goes. Because what I'm doing, I thought I was getting faster. But again, you know, you kind of hit those peaks and valleys. And I thought I had hit a peak and that 308 time and then the 301 time, that was kind of my peak. But um, obviously, I proved that wrong later in the summer. So I was happy with that. Yeah. And you also ran Boston this year, which obviously you can't take a lot from. But give, I, you know, I don't want to beat Boston to death. I've, I've talked to so many runners about it, but it just is such a fascinating race because for so many people, it's a goal race. And a lot of people have goal marathon times in mind for it. And then you get, you know, thrown this huge curveball with the weather. What was it like for you being um, such an experienced runner running that race? 
Oh, I was so angry. <laughs> um, I, yeah, so I, I talked a little bit about it in my recap. Um, my cousin had come over from England, and we were going to run it together, and we both wanted to break three hours at that race. Um, it had been nine years since the first time I had run Boston, and I think uh, sixth time overall. So I knew the course. I knew the weather could be totally up in the air. Um, but like I said, I had um, – gotten out of bed that morning after the whole weekend was just trashed. And I looked at my husband and, you know, I said, Hey, uh, so how angry are you going to be if I, I don't go run? Because I mean, it was just pouring down rain and sleet. And I knew once we got out to the athletes village, there was only one way to get back. I mean, you can't get back on the bus and come back into town. There's no way. And he just looked at me and he's like, well, we're here. We spent a shit ton of money on this hotel <laughs> and you're going to run this race if I have to drag you <laughs> to the start. So uh, my cousin and I got on the bus and we drove out to the start. It was absolutely miserable. I mean, wet feet. And I don't think I've ever been that cold in my life. Um, even being from Michigan, I've, I've run in some pretty horrific conditions, but um the feeling of crossing the finish line is really what it's all about. And crossing that finish line, even though it wasn't in our goal time of three hours, we had crossed and, and you could feel accomplished just for that. Yeah, for sure. Now, so, so Sarah, you get, you get her to be the, your coach. People who've listened to this show have probably heard Sarah's episodes, one by herself and then one with Brian. Um, Brian is now holding the belt for Team Bishop Fastest Marathon 2018. You know, go back a couple mm-hmm. episodes to listen to that one. And um, she is a very hardcore person in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to running, right? She's like this avid racer. She, you know, just kills it with training. She's constantly testing herself. So what's it like? What was it like for you um, having her as your coach in terms of just your interactions with her how it may have changed from just your normal friendship and also how your training changed. So Sarah always kind of seems to know exactly what I need, um, which is probably the best characteristic a coach can have, to be honest. She knows when I need to back off and she knows when I'm slacking off. Um, so it's really interesting. Um, We've been going kind of back and forth about these first couple races in the new year, and um, she knows what my goals are, obviously. Um, so, uh, yeah, she's, she's an incredible coach. She's an incredible runner. Um, looking back, I I've, should have just hired her sooner, obviously. <laughs> Um, she did end up getting me over that hump and, you know, hiring a coach isn't, it's not a magic bullet. You have to be willing to put in the work and can't just spend the money and say, Oh, I've hired this coach and everything is going to be perfect from now on. Now um, there's a lot of back and forth that goes on between us about, um, kind of what the goals are, um, if we're making the right adjustments to training, um, what the focus should be. I mean, I still have let's see, four, four races, um, planned for this first half of 2019. And, and she wants to get me where I want to go, but, um, she'll probably tell you I'm pretty stubborn when it comes to 
running because I do have that overall goal of doing the 50 marathons before I turn 40. So, um, but she's working with what she thinks is my best interests. And I love that about her. All right. So after the, so you hire her in the summer, you have four marathons, right? Four marathons after that, after you hired her. Uh, So what, what does a training schedule look like when you have four marathons ahead in roughly six months and you want to go kill it in all of them? Like what, what does that training cycle even look like? So the best part about the last training cycle was that I had a half marathon scheduled for September. It just happened to coincide with a wedding that I was going to. I say happened to because my husband can't seem to think that I can race and go. I can't race and go on vacation at the same time. So um, the first part of the summer was honestly just getting my legs to turn over faster and teaching them because they had been in marathon marathon mode for so long. It was, you know, going at this one speed for 26 miles. And she's like, okay, we got to break that cycle of just running, you know, 650 pace if you're going to break three hours or, you know, 645 pace or whatever the case may be. So she put in a lot of speed training, which I just, I wasn't used to. I was tired throughout the summer, tired all the time eating more, sleeping more. I mean, I was in bed by 8.30, I was just, you know, going crazy, trying to get all these miles in. And, uh, it, but it worked. Um, I ran the Philly rock and roll half, and that was a PR for me by, I think, maybe three minutes. Um, and it was an incredible experience. I knew I wasn't going to go into that race and win, Um, because a lot of elite runners show up to that. It's fast. It's flat. Um, everybody comes to that race and it's a really well done race. Um, and that got the speed on my legs that I needed to get to Chicago. And that was going to be our first goal race, but Sarah's like, okay, yeah, Chicago, that's going to be it. However, you still have three more marathons after that. So if things don't go then we can kind of readjust and, you know, look at Marine Corps Marathon or look at New York and see, like, I think Sarah is a firm believer in um, go where the best weather is. I know um, I was looking at some of her other athletes who were just at the last minute um, changing what races they were going to do based on the weather. And I was like, I can't really do that, especially if I have family coming into town or, you know, we're traveling to these bigger races to do that. And, um, She's like, okay, but you have planned enough races that if we need to back off for one or, you know, kind of change what we're going to do for one, it's not going to be a huge deal. Now, a three-minute PR in a half marathon is a huge PR. So when you went into that race, I remember reading one of your recaps, you you said briefly that that was a huge confidence builder for you, getting that 125, you know, breaking 125 in in the half and that you thought that was because of what Sarah had told and spoken with you as well, that that was kind of a stepping stone to breaking that three hour goal. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and the other thing um, that really helped was I had, I had seen my parents that weekend. Um, I think that was in the race recap as well. They didn't stay for the race cause they had to get back home, but um you know, my dad has been coaching for, I don't know, 40 years. And um, he kind he gets the athlete psychology as well. 
And he just, he had said something to me that day that um, just struck me as like the perfect thing to say. And that was, you don't have anyone to disappoint except for yourself. So it kind of just, you know, it made all of that anxiousness go away. I'm like, I'm not doing this for Sarah. I'm not doing this for my family. I'm doing this for myself. And if I disappoint myself, there will always be another race to go to. So had that been an issue for you in the past? Kind of like the idea of you know, giving your best for other people at a race or being a people pleaser in some, some fashion? I don't know if it was... Um something that I had just internalized, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of expectations when everybody knows you're a runner. Um, I mean, my boss asks me every weekend, you know, Monday morning, Oh, what race did you run this weekend? And, um, you know, the expectation is, Oh, she ran a marathon and she, you know, came in the top 10% or ran a great race and had an ideal time, but you know what? You have to realize that that's not the case and you just reassess what is your why? Why are you doing this? You're not doing it for your boss. It would be silly if you were. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine. Like I, I don't think I've ever had a boss ask me about running. So be, the idea of that even being the case is pretty funny, but no, I, I get what you're saying because oftentimes just the, that external, that external factor can play into it. Because if for no other reason that you care about a lot of these people and the fact that they're interested in you can be, you know, can, can feel good. They're interested in your hobbies and they want you to succeed. And it's hard not to internalize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you talked about, all right, you got that 125, you broke 125. You're feeling good. You got the, the speed back in your legs. You're aiming for Chicago, which is traditionally a fast marathon, especially one of the fastest elite marathons out there. So how did that go for you? Uh, Chicago is, it's almost my hometown race. So I'm originally from Michigan. I grew up outside Detroit and we love the Detroit race. We weren't going to make it there this year. Um, so we went to Chicago and um, my parents drove in and my sister and her husband drove in. Um, and, yeah, I, I love that city, the Windy City. Um, so that, that was actually one of the big concerns was like, how windy is it going to actually be? Is the weather, you know, all weather is always going to be a factor. But the the best thing about the marathon or a half or whatever race you do really is everybody has to deal with the same weather. So if it's miserable for you, it's also miserable for the person that's running right next to you. Um. I went in with a specific goal in mind. I wanted to run around a 258. Um, I know my husband wanted to run a PR as well. And we knew that this course was pretty inf infamous for being fast. Um, and I think that that was kind of uh, the, it was another confidence booster as well, knowing that people had run fast on the course. Um, but it was my first time running that race. And, um, you know, notoriously bad GPS. So, um, I don't know if I started out too fast, but, uh, I was very, very cognizant of how quickly I, I got off the starting line and, uh, made it about halfway through and it started to rain a little bit, of course, and the wind was picking up and it just, the weather kind of just made it not as enjoyable as I thought it was going to be. Um, 
But, you know, I got over that last bridge and I saw the finish line. I saw the time as I was coming across and I kind of just like, finally, finally, I've broken three hours. I didn't even care what my time was as long as it was under, under that three hour mark. That's really what I was shooting for. And I just broke down. My, my mom and dad were there and, um, you know, big hugs all around at the end. And yeah, it was a great experience. So you, it's funny how you bring it up, how you started the story by talking about how fast you went out. Do you think that you might have even gone, that if you had won the race again, if you had maybe paced yourself a little early, a little better earlier in the race, that you would have run even faster? And what was your finishing time again? I apologize. Uh, it, it was 256. Okay, so you, I mean, you beat your goal anyway. Do you feel like you had even more in your legs if you had kind of you know, ease back a little bit in the beginning? Uh, yeah, that's kind of a tricky question. Um, so Sarah and I talk a lot about, um, how I actually race the marathon and, um, one of her biggest things for me, um, especially as we got into the next marathon at Marine Corps was, um, I am a conservative racer, definitely a conservative racer. So I don't think I took any big risks at Chicago. Um, I felt okay at the start um, worse towards the middle. And then, um, I hadn't hit a wall in a marathon in a while just because I, I feel like I'm a pretty experienced marathoner. Um, it, it could have gone either way. Okay. Got it. So that, that emotional finish line experience for you, did you see that coming or did that kind of surprise you in the moment? Oh, it was totally a surprise. I'm, I'm not that much of a crier <laughs> and I just, yeah, tears streaming down, you know, it was, I was happy to be done. Um, but at the same time, I kind of wanted to savor the moment as well. But then, you know, my husband was just, you know, 15, 20 minutes behind me and I knew that he was also going to have a great race. And I was almost more excited for him that he finally had a breakthrough in his racing as well. Now, do you train with each other? Uh, loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you're significantly faster than him in the marathon. So, I mean, there, there's that can be tough, but um, we will go out and uh, run some of our easy runs together. Um, he gets really frustrated with me if I go out and I say I'm going to run easy and then I don't. Um, and he has his running friends down here, and I have my running friends down here, and we'll intermingle occasionally but usually uh we're in two separate pace groups yeah i mean shoot you're probably beating him by about a minute per mile in the marathon so i can see how their easy runs wouldn't necessarily overlap Mm -hmm. no that's for sure especially i mean i've i've done i've run uh some of my easy runs with people who are about the same distance about you know 30 minutes faster than me in a marathon and I was like, I would always treat it like a challenge, but there's only so many challenging easy runs you want to run in a month. <laughs> a lot of the, yeah. oh, yeah. you want to start, start to scale them back a little bit. Yeah. And um, kind of one of the biggest things about living down here in Louisiana is finding your group to run with. And, and down in Shreveport, we have a great group of runners, um, but they don't necessarily train on the same days that I do, or if they do, um, they're doing a completely separate workout. So when we get together, say on a Thursday, 
they want to go out and do a tempo run, but I'm doing an easy run. And so kind of trying to match that stuff up gets a little difficult uh, when you're on a very specific training plan. Yeah, for sure. So you, so you had this amazing race in Chicago, finally had got that goal race that you've been working so hard for so many years to get. And then at that point, what was your outlook on the fact that you still have three more marathons in the year? Was that, did that was, was that kind of like a bummer or were you, were you like, you know, excited about those? No, I was super excited. I was so excited because <laughs> I didn't know, you know, where, where the rest of the season was going to take me. So get to the Marine Corps and I race for the Air Force team. So, you know, Chicago, that was the goal race where I needed to break three hours, needed to. Uh, and then I got to Marine Corps and the, the goal was, okay, now you're not doing this for yourself anymore. Now you're part of a team and this is a team effort and you're going to get out on the course and you've run, that was my fifth time running Marine Corps. Uh, you know, the course, you know, the people, um, and you're going to kill it. And I really, since it was my fifth time, I really just wanted to run faster than I had run last year and breaking three hours would just be icing on the cake, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then how did it work out for you and your team? So there was a little bit of a scoring discrepancy. Um, I came in seventh overall female. Um, I was third uh, military female, which is what really counts for us for that race because it's the uh, Department of Defense Armed Forces Championship. So this is where we go and we do our championship race. So um, we go in, we're, we're waiting for them to kind of tabulate the scores. And um, I had come in third military and then they give the third place ribbon to somebody else and I'm like wait what (laughs) how did that happen (laughs) and um they had actually given it to another military woman um but she was from England and it's supposed to be an all-American competition so I felt terrible of course when they walked up to her and and basically said hey we're gonna need that back it's gonna be given to somebody else oh (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was a really awkward, awkward moment. So, um, so some of the other women, um, on the team had run really great races and, um, we weren't really expecting too much, but when they finished tabulating the responses, of course, the air force had, uh, come in third and what ended up happening was a couple of years ago, they had changed the way that they were scoring the results and they did it um, prior. They had done it based on time and now they're doing it based on place, kind of like a cross country race. And so when they redid the scoring, we weren't third, we were actually first. So our air force team won the gold um, and it was based on a tiebreaker. So they had used all of the scoring um, to get us into first place and I, you know, that was another moment where I kind of was just like, wow, okay. So we had always been third in the past, the Army and the Marine Corps. They always kick our booties. Um, and the Air Force kind of just hangs on. And, and third place is kind of where we've been stuck the last couple of years. But um, that third place finish for me and then some of the other women coming in and just kicking butt, man. It was a great race for everybody. Yeah, we came away with the gold medal, so... 
That's huge, man. That it must have been so exciting for you, and you know, to have you know, it's like that best of both worlds experience to have not only a great race for yourself, but then to also have a great race for your team. Because sometimes it, the, those two don't necessarily happen at the, on the same day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and you still had two more marathons to complete. So the 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 conversion from Marine Corps to New York is a quick one, right? I mean, that's not, that's not, that's a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, six days. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. So <laughs> yeah, it was fast. So when you're running Marine Corps, was it hard to just like focus completely on that? Or in the back of your mind, are you thinking like, I have to run New York in less than a week? Like, you know, is it hard to give it your all and then to know to bounce back and then do it again a week later? Like, what is that feeling like? No way. I, I wasn't even thinking about New York when I was doing the Marine Corps. I, uh, I had talked a little bit to Sarah about kind of what the plan was. And by the end of the race in DC, I was, I was pretty much done. I, I finished and I was like, okay, so two races under three hours. Perfect. I don't care how New York goes. Um, I just, I was just going to go and have a good time. I had signed up to do the sub elite thing, um, which is really just getting a chance to start up front with uh, the, like we start lined up right behind the male elite runners, uh, which is an incredible experience to be surrounded by all of these amazing runners and, and kind of just not knowing how you even got there. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I just, it's kind of like you look around and, like, how did I get here? And you kind of relive some of those experiences of the great races that you've run throughout the year. And, and New York is such an amazing race. The crowd is incredible. Um, even if we hadn't had perfect running weather that day, I think the course is just an amazing course and they do such a great job, um, on the course, off the course, before the race, um, the, the post-race, everything that goes on the whole weekend. It's just an amazing experience. Um, but just going out and having a good time, that was my, that was my main goal in that race. I, I went up to that starting line not even thinking about a time and just thinking, okay, just, just get through this and have a good time and have fun. So the exact opposite of some of the marathons you ran in Europe. So this is like, you know, people everywhere, you get the, you know, the crowd going wild. This isn't, you know, the 316 or the, the 308 um, where you ran with those 37 females and you, know, you had to run a lot of this solo, even like you did in Dallas, you ran 20 solo miles. You had this, you know, entire fan base cheering on the runners. What was it like for you to look down at some point during this race and see, not only are you, you know, despite the fact that you were fatigued from Marine Corps in Chicago and a little beaten up, to, to not only be running well, but to all of a sudden to be on a sub three hour pace after you spent so much time wondering if you'd ever get there in the first place. Oh, I just, I, I think I at one point just stopped thinking about it. Um, I, I remember looking down at my watch and thinking, okay, this is going a little bit better than I actually expected it to. Um, but how much do you really feel like you need to run sub three hours? And I think at that point when I just stopped, not necessarily caring about what my time was going to be, um, but, you know, taking the pressure off myself, I ran so much better 
And I think that that's a lesson that I've learned the hard way. And I'm going to take that with me into this next training cycle. So dive into that a little bit more, if you wouldn't mind. So what, what is the kind of, like, what is your inner monologue when you are, you know, say like before that shift happened, like what, what are the things you're thinking about or paying attention to or saying to yourself when you have that mindset that's a little more internally focused and not necessarily the mindset that you're looking for? Well, I think it it even happened during some of my training runs um, throughout this last training cycle as well. When, you know, I'd get out on the road and, and the expectation is that you're going to hit specific splits and then you don't hit them and you just get so disappointed and okay. You're like, all right, well just, you didn't hit that one, but let's, let's try for the next one. And if you, keep not hitting them and you kind of just beat yourself down while you're in that training run, it's going to be a terrible training run. Um, I think that kind of getting rid of the mindset of throwing the splits out the window and checking in with my watch every so often, um, it kind of just wears you down, you know, and um, just focusing on the crowd and having a good time and noticing things I'd never noticed before on that course. Um, kept my mind off uh, the specific times that I wanted to hit and just made it that much more fun. Yeah. And you're so experienced as well. Do you feel like you at this point can gauge your speed just by your stride and your breath? Like, do you, do you, if you were forced to not look at your watch, I know you just ran a race that was like very much like this like, like last week, but if you just go through the watch literally out the window and ran a race, how well do you think you would be able to gauge in any moment how fast you were running? Oh, I think I'm absolutely terrible. At really? It. <laughs> yeah, um, it depends. I think if you gave me like maybe two or three warm up miles to kind of feel what it felt like and what I thought I should be running, um, I'd be okay. But if you told me to get off the starting line without a watch, I don't. I'm not sure that that would be the greatest. <laughs> All right, because yeah, because you was the race last week. It was like this odd paced race, like odd mileage race, or what was that whole thing? It was it was so interesting. Yeah, so uh, our local running group here does. Uh, they call it the Black Eyed Pea Run, and uh, so eating black eyed peas on New Year's is supposed to bring prosperity and good luck for the next year. So it's a tradition down here to do that. Um, and we went out to one of the local parks, and they measured off a very strange it was like 3.36 miles very strange distance um and you just had to write down your predicted finishing time um before you started and then everybody got on the line and we all started it was i think everybody pretty much wanted to go easy after the new year everybody had been out partying and uh whoever gets closest to their predicted time is the winner it's not whoever crosses the line first it's uh basically closest to the to the pole line so i think my husband was within about 10 15 seconds of what he predicted i thought it'd be a lot closer i definitely thought i'd be closer but um you know i was running with some friends and we were chatting so i'm sure i sped up a little bit slowed down a little bit and instead of concentrating on what my pace was supposed to be <laughs> oh man all right so you had an, an amazing 2018 as you've detailed um, you also ran well in Dallas at the, uh, was it the BMW marathon? Yeah. Yes. So you just an amazing year in total. So 
moving forward, now that you've reached this, you know, this, this barrier that you weren't sure you'd reach and you've done it, you know, with abandon uh, multiple times this year, what are the new levels that you're trying to get to? Oh yeah. So this is the hard one, right? Because the PR I feel like is one of the very first goals that people will throw out there. Oh, I just want to get faster. Um, I definitely want to get stronger. Um, people have thrown out the idea of running an ultra marathon or, you know, um, running more races. I'm not sure I want to add any more races. Um, listening to Sarah race every weekend. I've done that before. Um, back when we lived up in Illinois and St. Louis, uh, just running and racing every single weekend, it starts to get, it really starts to wear down on you. So I think we've, um, kind of figured out what the balance is, uh, in terms of the number of races. Um, my daughter just made the goal of, uh, running a mile every day this year. Um, so she's going to start her own little streak, um, and keeping in mind, she's nine. So, you know, we don't go out fast or anything, but my goal is to see her through that. Um, and then, then in terms of my racing, yes, I would love to run, you know, 255, 250, um, PR in the half marathon, but, um, I don't know. Um, it's not something that I've actually like written a very specific time down for. Yeah. I, you know, that I think it's, it's one thing where you're right. People want to get that next PR, you know, they're always PR hunting, but there's also a lot to be said for, you know, if you're not at, as Sarah had mentioned to you earlier on in the year, like if you're not at that perfect weather race, it can be hard to like just get a PR, especially if you're already running at a fairly high level, a new PR is, is a huge deal. It's not as if like, say, if I were to run the marathon, I've had two abysmal marathon experiences. A new PR wouldn't necessarily be groundbreaking. But for you, running a PR would be huge because you've been doing so many of them over such a long period of time. So first of all, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a really fun conversation with you. Um, I really appreciate it. And if you don't mind, we'll get into the last couple questions before we get going. Sure. All right. So when you're out on a run, are you wearing headphones or no headphones? Uh, depends. <laughs> That's the Intel, uh, analyst answer. Um, it depends if I'm running by myself, I usually wear headphones. If not, then, uh, if I'm with a, with a group, then I don't wear headphones. Okay. So what are you listening to with the headphones? Uh, so of course we've got rambling runner on the iPod. Uh, oh, you don't have to then... say that, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, and then we have uh, just a lot of hip hop music, um, happy music. I'm not an angry runner. I don't like to run angry. So, okay. So, ha- so happy lyrics with a, with a little beat. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what advice do you give others about running that you have trouble following? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, Do your easy runs easy. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I think it's like 100% on that one for every – I got to like come up with a new question because that's what everyone says. But it's so true. It is so true. Um, what did you run your easy runs um, over the past, you know, three or four months? Say like so from September on, what was your typical easy run range? Um, so I follow up some of my harder workouts with about eight or nine miles. Um 
if I go out with my husband, he like reins me in big time. And he's like, okay, you told me you wanted to run 810 to 815 pace. That's what we're doing. Uh, inevitably, I speed up to about 740s. And he's like, reining me in again. So just slowing it down and maybe taking the watch off is what I need to do. Like you said, um, maybe that'll help slow me down a little bit or do the opposite. I feel like having the, like having my watch on is like best for the easy runs because that's when I can be like, Oh, I'm going way too fast. I need yeah, to, yeah. it's like, it's just so much easier to run a little quicker because you're more efficient and you know what I mean? Sometimes when you go, that's a little slower, the efficiency can kind of bog down a little bit. Absolutely. All right. So if you could run one more race for the rest of your life, but you could run it every year, what race would it be? Um, I don't know. Uh, so my husband has, I think, three or four years left in the Air Force, and I have a significantly more amount of time than that. <laughs> um, but he is already planning on my retirement gift being the Great Wall of China uh, marathon. Um, I've never done it before. So if that was one kind of like bucket list race that um, I would get to travel to and experience that travel as well as race. I think that that would probably be it. Be it. Oh, that's a good one. That's for sure. Okay. Last one. Who is your dream running partner? Um, hmm, probably my daughter. I cannot, I honestly cannot wait until she can start running a little bit longer distance. Um, she, inspires me every day to, to get my my booty out of bed and and get on the road and just it's been fun watching her the last couple of days uh it's been raining down here so <laughs> mom can you show me how to work the treadmill and then she actually goes and does her mile on the treadmill and and that's really really motivational uh i think especially when it's coming from a nine-year-old yeah no easy days for you mom no days off you know if, if the That's daughter's right. going to be running every day for a year you know you have to step up your game yeah, absolutely thank you so much for joining me amy this has been fantastic i really appreciate it oh thanks matt thanks for having me on thank you amy so much for coming on the show this was a blast as always i'm so fortunate to have so many great guests I, every week I say this, and it's like every episode I say, man, this was great, because it is. I'm so fortunate to have so many wonderful and inspiring people come on this show. Thank you so much. Also, thank you to Mercury Mile and to Megaton Coffee for sponsoring the Rambling Runner podcast. You can save at both of their amazing websites. That's mercurymile.com and megatoncoffee.com by using the code RAMBLINGRUNNER10 at checkout. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing the show. It is greatly appreciated. I really can't say that enough. So again, thank you so much and happy running.